Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. And hello, everybody. This is episode 44 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. I am your host, Jason A. Meiske. Wow, what an episode we have for you today. You saw the name on the fake marquee out front (laughs) so thank you for coming on in and joining us today yes we have a big episode and a big time author who came along i am just blown away i'm thrilled to have the one and only scott meyer with me today and man i cannot wait to get you over to that but first like i said this is the sample chapter podcast uh you can find us on facebook and twitter just look us up at the show name you can follow us on either one of those links you can contact us through either one of those methods or you can send us an email at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com if you want to reach out and say hello or if you are an author and you would like to come on the show to read a chapter by all means reach out to me let me know you know you can send me a tweet Send me a Facebook message, any of these methods. Let me know that you're out there. I love, 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 love hearing from you. I'm having a great time corresponding with, uh, I've got a few fans out there that uh, have been talking with me on occasion. Repeat fans, I guess would be the best way to put that. And thank you so much for everybody who subscribes and tunes in every week. You know, if you subscribe, you know, the show gets downloaded right into your phone or desktop or wherever it is that you're listening so thank you so much for all of you out there who do that man we we got some big things on the horizon uh i probably could say but i'm gonna wait until i've got some more things uh, nailed down but uh yeah here in the coming weeks we've got a major announcement for the show uh and for the future of the show and i'm I'm really, really excited, so make sure that you are subscribing, make sure that you're tuning in, make sure you get over and like our Facebook or Twitter page, so that way you don't miss out on some big stuff we got coming up. Uh, so how was your Thanksgiving? Mine was fantastic. Uh, if you are following me on any of those social media programs and you saw that I spent uh, some time away from social media and just, I spent from the end of the day Wednesday through the weekend. I was basically offline. I spent all of my time with my family and it was great. So as somebody who basically lives on the internet with this show, it was still kind of nice to just unplug. You know, I I had some emails that came in I needed to respond to, but my Thanksgiving was really great. Uh, My family and I had a really fun time. We did go out and brave the Black Friday on Thursday sales i still don't understand that it's it's thanksgiving it's not friday it's thursday thanksgiving always happens on a thursday but that's black friday sales and there was a couple things that we needed to grab that were only available that day so thank you so much walmart for taking time away from our afternoon to get out and so we could get some you know new tires you know not just tires but a few other things a few other items for the Christmas wish list. So, but it worked out. We had a good time. And, you know, I, I'm i giving Walmart a little bit of a hard time. But I have to say, this was the most organized Black Friday event I've ever been to. I mean, they had that store on lockdown. 
Uh, I mean, there were organized lines for each and every item, you know, big ticket items. Uh, you had to be there by a certain time to get a ticket so that we could get that item. If you weren't there and you didn't have a ticket, you weren't getting it. So, thank goodness they had lots of tires, so I didn't have to worry about that. But the other items that uh, we were really hoping to get a hold of, we were there in time to get the stuff that we wanted to get. So, you know, it turned out okay. Friday, we didn't do a lot. We didn't really get out of the house very much. Um, Saturday, yes, Saturday was my birthday. Happy birthday to me. Um, I am not 50 yet. As opposed to what my kids keep telling everybody out there in the world, I am not 50 yet. I got a couple more years yet. I just turned 47. Yeah, it, it was fun. I had a good time, and uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of people out there wishing me happy birthday on Saturday. I felt a little bad, you know, that my phone was blown up as much as it was, and I didn't do any kind of responding until Sunday. But that was what I had uh, promised myself and promised my family, and uh, you know. I felt a little bit bad, but at the same time, not really. <clears throat> it was it was nice just unwinding and spending my time with family. Um, it, we broke out the game of life. I haven't played life since I was maybe 10 years old. And we broke it out. We picked it up on Black Friday, <laughs> on Thursday, you know, because that's when it was. We picked up that game on sale. I told my wife, I said, you know what, this would be really cool. And maybe this could be a, you know, birthday gift for the weekend. So that was one of the things I did get for my birthday. And we broke out that game and played it with the kids and had a blast. Oh my gosh, it was so much fun. And yeah, I don't know how many of you out there, I, I am a gamer. I do love my electronic games and playing all the new ones. I cannot wait to dive into the new Red Dead 2. But man, playing a tabletop game some kind of a game on the table with my family with playing some music having a few drinks and snacks you know oh man it doesn't get any better than that you know i mean just taking some time to get off our phones get away from the laptops and just having <laughs> having google play some christmas music for us it was a blast we had a really really good time and my my holidays were great i really hope yours were just as great um so yeah they just the, the whole weekend was fantastic sunday was really busy because i followed that up with uh started going back in and following up with all the people who had reached out to me uh started following up with some other emails and some of the stuff i'm working on with the show letting people know that yep i am back and so sunday was really busy and then of course we got hit with this major uh well they they called it a blizzard where i am it wasn't as bad but it was a it was a pretty good storm that, that hit us over the weekend. But it's uh, almost December, which means we're moving on. Christmas is coming. Well, let's get to the next segment, which is our sponsor spot. So, U-Store All of Warrensburg, Missouri is your premium place for climate control and non-climate control self-storage. All of your needs taken care of in one spot. The climate control is... A true climate control in that it has heating, air conditioning, and dehumidification, which is important, especially here in Missouri. Like I said, we've got those blizzards, so the weather is switching back and forth. I didn't even mention it before. We were in the almost 70 on Saturday. Sunday, we get down to 25 and snow. So you got th times like that. 
You want to make sure that your, your household goods are being stored someplace with climate control. And U-Storeall is the place to go. The entire location is fenced in with gated access. You have your own private gate code that you can use to access your units 24 hours a day. They have more than 40 cameras recording 24 hours and it's all backed up to a remote DVR that they can view anytime. It's well lit all night long with LED lighting. You gotta go online and check them out. It's ustoral.net as the letter U-S-T-O-R-A-L-L dot net. So, like I said, this week's guest, the one and only Scott Meyer. Wow. Oh man. I'm I'm still I'm still just ah, like I mean you can hear it in my voice, can't you? You can hear it. I'm so excited. Uh, you know, all of you out there, all you fans of Scott Meyer who are listening to the show, thank you for coming over and listening. Man, I mean this is just I, this was a huge huge blessing. I didn't even tell him that my birthday was coming up. So I but I just kind of considered this like an early birthday present to me getting to spend some time. We spent oh my gosh. I told him we'd be like a half hour to 45 minutes and I think we spent an hour and a half talking. But it, he's such a great guy. We really hit it off. Uh I think we hit it off anyway. We had a lot of laughs. I can say that. <laughs> I hit it off with him. I don't know if the feeling was mutual, but uh, it was a really good time. Scott was fantastic. You know, getting to learn lots of things about his past, uh, being a former stand-up comic. Uh, you know, he's not doing the things that he thought he was going to do in high school. I am right there with him. You know, I thought I would be running a gym somewhere or maybe uh, retiring from football by now. <laughs> of course, at 47, I'm probably way past my prime unless I'm a kicker. But uh, that didn't happen either. But, uh, you know, he is living the dream and considers himself one of the luckiest of guys getting to do what he does now. His series, Magic 2.0, is what really shot him into the stratosphere. It's a fantastic series. I've been hearing about this these books for years and finally picked them up just within the last six, eight weeks ago. And I am just going right through them. Um before the interview I had just finished book two like just literally hours before I started talking to him and so I was pretty high on on that book and how that started I've already started book three and I'm going through that now having a lot of fun with it and it was great to get to talk to him about his other books like Master Formalities and his comic book series the uh, uh, basic instructions man it, it's just you're going to love this interview I know you will and I think you're in for a real treat getting to hear Scott reading a chapter from Master of Formalities. Now, he wanted to make sure and mention, out of spite, out of mind, Book 5 of Magic 2.0 coming to Kindle and print editions on December 20th. That's just in a few more weeks. So make sure you get out there and grab that book when you can on December 20th. We'll make sure and share this episode again at that time. And if you're following on our Twitter or Facebook page, we'll put up a big notice that, hey, this is the day. But if you're listening to this, make sure you mark your calendars so that way you know. I'm I'm just rambling here. Uh, I've, I've allowed my cigar to go out because I'm just so excited and I'm, I'm talking with my hands. And I'm just going to let's just get on over to our conversation with the one and only Scott Meyer.
Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Sample Chapter Podcast. Jason here, and oh my gosh, I am blown away as I got a helicopter flying overhead outside. Uh, <laughs> I am blown away today with a very special guest. Uh, you probably have heard of the guy before. He's comic book creator, novelist, and has one of the most amazing author photos you've ever seen. you got to get <clears> over to Amazon and check it out. I am sitting here today with Scott Myers. Scott, welcome to the show. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Good, doing great, buddy. Uh, tell the uh, those who are not familiar with you, tell them a little bit about yourself. Um, as you said, my name is Scott Meyer. Um, I uh, I used to have a web comic called Basic Instructions, which uh, which ran in a few weekly alternative weekly newspapers and got a, a pretty decent small to medium following online, uh, published a few books, which technically you were correct when you called me a comic book creator because I did publish several books of comics, but it gave the impression that I was writing Superman or something. I don't want to take credit for work I didn't do. Um, then uh, towards the end of the comic strip, I started writing novels. Uh, my first book was called Off to be the Wizard. That began a series called the Magic 2.0 series, which I am very proud of. And in addition to uh, Magic 2.0, uh, I have written a few other science fiction books and a police procedural, all primarily humor, and uh, I'm very proud of all of them. As you should be, as you should be. Uh, you know, as we were talking before, uh, I, I've heard your name for years. Uh, some friends of mine recommended your books. They were telling me all about it, and I all, all along I kept thinking, yeah, that sounds really great. I, I'll have to check it out. But it's been life gets in the way. There's always a stack of books on my desk. There's things, that, and just recently I was like, oh, okay, you know, i got to check this out finally. And in the last, I think, six weeks, I've, I've ran through uh, the first two books of Magic 2.0. Love them. I'm having a blast with it. I can't wait to dive into the next one. And what's unique is, <laughs> yeah, I just finished the second book today, so mm. this has been this is like really exciting. I'm like, oh my god, this is awesome! <laughs> and now I get to talk to the author. So, yeah, these are fantastic, man. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I, I, I hope I don't ruin the experience for you with my nasal voice and obnoxious personality. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. So now, uh, going back to when you began, you were doing, you were working all day at a job, uh, you know, long hours, coming home at night, working on your webcomic, and you were putting this webcomic out three times a week. What, what was your drive? Like, what kept you going um, to just, to just don't give up, keep going for your dream? Well, I, I actually started out in stand-up comedy. And did stand-up comedy for nearly 10 years. And uh, that, partially due to it just, it was it was my first love, but it wasn't actually a very good fit. You know how that is? Sometimes the, the thing that you thought you wanted to do when you got out of high school turns out to not actually fit your personality very well. Mm. I'm a morning person who doesn't enjoy the company of drunk people. And I went into the nightclub entertainment business. It was a very bad move for me. But, uh, you know, the, the comedy career didn't quite go the way I wanted it to, and that eventually I burned out completely and took on a day job. And after about a year and a half of the day job, I just I felt like I, I missed having a creative outlet. You know, I, 
I miss being able to the, – the beauty of stand-up comedy and web comics have this going for it too is that you have an idea today. You can have it in front of people tonight. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. Uh, there's there, – it's – you can either go to an open mic or a showcase, or you can write up the webcomic, hit publish, and it'll be out there. So uh, so I had had this idea towards the end of my stand-up comedy career for a webcomic that I did like three episodes of it and then stopped because my career got in the way. So I revived that and, uh, yeah, never regretted it. Uh, at the height of it, it was running three times a week. For a large portion of the run, it was only two times a week. And I say only two times a week. There are still people who, who uh, I actually had a, uh, a successful cartoonist who I met at a, a convention once uh, tell me, I really like your comic. It should only be once a week, which I, I didn't know how to take that. <laughs> <laughs> it was either a great compliment or a terrible insult, and I wasn't sure which. Oh, man. And this was Basic Instructions. Is that correct? Yes, yes, basic instructions, which uh, the entire run is rerunning with my comments, uh, again, three times a week uh, at basicinstructions.net. Okay, that's, that's really and, awesome. Mm-hmm. And you, you made it sound like a, like a Charles Dickens novel. It wasn't, it wasn't <laughs> that bad. I mean, I was working full time and then doing the comic on the side, mm-hmm. but... A, I needed the uh, I needed the the creative outlet, as I said. Yeah. Uh, B, uh, it was really gratifying to hear from people that they were enjoying the uh, the comic because towards the end of my stand up comedy career, I got told a great many times that people were not enjoying my work. So uh, <laughs> hearing from people that they were enjoying my work was nice, and also. I enjoyed I a large portion of that time I was working at Walt Disney World and I enjoyed a great many of the jobs I had at Walt Disney World. Mm. Um, but it it is it did drive home for me that I kind of needed to have something that I owned, you know, because mm-hmm. you can very easily on any job almost you can you can you know sink many years of your life into it and then they have a downturn of some sort and. Now you're out of a job, and what do you got? So I, I wanted to try to get something going, even if it was only just a tiny trickle of income. And believe me, the webcomic was that, a tiny trickle of income. But but uh, <laughs> but something something you know, going that was mine, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's awesome. I mean, that's, that's a great way to look at it. And it was nice. It's nice to look that, you know, so many times, like you say, we – Time passes, and when, then we look back and like, oh man, you know, I should have started this so long ago. Uh, I'm, yeah. Because I love what I'm doing, and I should have done this so, back then. Uh, but regardless, it's it's just starting is the thing, and it's nice to hear that you found your moment and then ran with it, and then you know, look at what it's become today. There's a there's an old, I think it's a Chinese saying. I may be wrong, but it's the perfect time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree is right now. Oh, I love that. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yeah, I like that too. <laughs> so now you took your success with, with the basic instructions and how that was going, and then you wrote, it'd be your first novel, Magic 2.0, Off to Be the Wizard, correct? Yep, exactly. It's a, it's a funny thing, because like I said, the webcomic, for the vast majority of the time it ran, it made me 
about the amount of money that a really bad part-time job would make me. <laughs> I mean, at best. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then then web advertising went through that brief period when companies were were foolish enough to actually believe it worked as an ad advertising medium. <laughs> and for a while, the money got to where it was like a really good part-time job, but then that sunk again. But uh, I always knew I wanted to write a novel. Ever since I was in high school, I wanted to someday at least try tr to write a novel. And uh, I was reading an article, I think it was in Wired, uh, that was talking about how thanks to the Internet and e-readers and, and uh, on-demand printing, the uh, what used to be the hard part, getting your book published, making it available to people all over the world to purchase, uh, used to be next to impossible. And now that's easy. The hard part is writing the novel and marketing it getting people's attention. Mm. And I realized that thanks to the webcomic, I had several thousand people's email addresses that if I if I priced the book aggressively so that it was like, hey, you can buy yourself a latte tomorrow morning or you can buy my book, you'll get a book and you'll be helping me out. Uh, I realized that if I did that, there was a chance that I could actually sell enough books for it to turn into something. So uh, so then all I had to do was write a novel. <laughs> that's all <laughs> that's all <laughs> final step oh man well now so magic 2.0 is like i said i'm i'm a huge fan i love it for for the the people out there not familiar with the series yet uh maybe they're like me they may have heard something about it but they haven't picked it up yet tell us about uh, magic 2.0 uh, Magic 2.0 starts out as the story of a guy named Martin Banks, an early 20-something who lives in Seattle. It's 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 written as modern day, but time has moved on since then. So really, we're I would probably say it's like I forget what exact year. No, I wanted to say it was. It's like the the mid 2000s or something like that. The late 2000s. Anyway, I'm I'm getting hung up on a detail here. Uh, he's sort of a hacker-ish. He's not, he doesn't, you know, do anything malicious. He just likes to program on the internet. And one night he finds a file on the internet, this mysterious file that's way bigger than it should be and seems really weird and has his name hidden somewhere in it. And uh, in playing around with this file, he comes to realize very quickly and in a very disturbing way that he is living in a computer program. He is part of a computer program. His reality, everything he knows, everything he's ever seen, just part of this program. And that by editing this file, he can change things like his height, uh, like his position in time and space, and how much money is in his bank account. And uh, he almost immediately gets into so much trouble <laughs> messing with this file that he ends up... Uh, fleeing from his own time and using the file to go back to medieval England to pose as a wizard and hide out for a while while he figures out what to do. And then the rest of the books in the series are just what happens to him after he moves to England. It's such a great premise. The whole idea behind it is just, is hilarious because, you know, I got started reading it and like it starts off just right away. You're you're diving right into it. It's like, oh, there's the file. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is cool, uh, and, and something unique. And every time I think I know which direction it's going to go, it twists and does something different. Um, 
the ending of book two, like I said, I just finished that today, went in a way, a direction I was not expecting. So oh. <laughs> this is, so it's, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, I, I highly recommend everybody needs to, if you're looking for something to pick up, you got to start, maybe start there uh, or, you know, any, any of Scott's books, it looks like uh, you're in for a fun treat. Oh, well, thank you. And, uh, and I'm glad to hear that it's, uh, that the twists and turns have been surprising to you. It's uh yeah yeah the last thing I'm able to uh, be predicting your book's going to do long before you get to it. <laughs> right. Yep. Now in your books, I'm noticing that the worlds that you're creating they're very amazing. They feel new and yet they feel familiar. Do you think maybe I mean did you pull some of that maybe from like Disney your time at Disney or where where did you get that inspiration? Well, the uh, the medieval England of my books is not the medieval England that actually existed in our world. I actually have never put down my foot about whether or not Martin's world is our world. Hmm. He could be, for all we know, he's running in a computer program that is running on a computer in our world. Uh, he's he's not his reality is not necessarily ours, but uh, but. Because he was not, spoilers, minor spoilers here, he's not the only person who's ever found the file and gone back in time. And because of that, by the time he gets to medieval England, the timeline is already so polluted that it's, it's more the, the, uh, the pop culture 20th century image of what we think um, uh, medieval England was like than it is, you know, reality. Mm-hmm. Really, if it... Bears more of a resemblance, and this is, I'm not saying it's as good as this, I'm just saying as far as the overall tone, it bears a stronger resemblance to the medieval England of, England of uh, Monty Python's Holy Grail than it does to anything that actually happened in reality. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that, yes. And and, it, and maybe that's what it is. It's, it's with some of the uh, the pop culture references, the... Yeah. Uh, other mentions throughout, maybe that's what gives it that sense of familiarity because it's, I never feel like I don't know where they are, even though I don't know where they are. Yeah. If that makes any sense at all. No, I think that makes sense. I hope <laughs> it made sense to me. So, <laughs> if you're crazy, we're both crazy. There so. you go. There you go. Well, and going through your catalog, uh, I mean, you've, you've had, you've, you've got a great series going with Magic 2.0. You've got a couple other one-offs. And I noticed that 2015 seemed like a banner year with uh, three different books that year. Yeah, well, that was that was actually just the uh, just the way things fell uh, when uh, when when Magic 2.0 uh, got a publishing deal. I it was it was like I heard a starter's pistol in my head. You know, it was like okay, go because uh, I I know what it feels like to try something and have it not work, and this was my chance to try something and have it work. And see how that goes. And uh, deal for Magic 2.0, uh, until about this year, actually, I've been writing at a pretty steady rate of about two books a year. And uh, the, uh, the reason that three books came out in one year is just that there was a delay in the publishing of a couple of them. And it caused, uh, caused them to sort of bunch up in that year. But that's a great way to gain more audience, too, is you've got a few books under your belt you had uh book three in your series and then these other two new books come out too yeah. so it's it it's it, you know if you wouldn't know any better you'd think man he planned this 
This is great. <laughs> I want – I felt this way with the webcomic too. I want when people discover my work, if they enjoy the first thing, I want there to be other things for them to uh, to enjoy right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing it, – it's you know it's it's always a bummer for me when I I get someone's book I really enjoy it I'm like okay what else have they written nothing else they're working on their second thing it's you know good for them I look forward to trying their second thing but still I would like to be getting something now so mm-hmm. yeah. so I'm 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 very happy that uh, there are people I'm I'm happy that people are discovering my work at all but. It also makes me happy that now people are doing it at a time that there's other things they can uh, they can check out by me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's great to have a variety, I think, so something outside the uh, the Magic 2.0. One of those, uh, I noticed that year, was your Master of Formalities, uh, yep. the, the book we're going to hear about today. So tell us a little bit about uh, about this book. Master of Formalities was the first non-Magic 2.0 book I wrote. It's my fourth book overall, and the uh, the idea is uh, very simple. It was, what if Downton Abbey was set in the Dune universe? That was the that was the initial idea. Now, of course, it's not a Dune book. It's it's my own version of that sort of a science fiction universe. It takes place in the far, far distant future, tens of thousands of years from now. After mankind has colonized the stars, and it takes place uh, in oh, it, uh, the the setting is almost entirely the royal castle of the ruling family of a planet called Apios, and it's. Uh, have you ever seen the movie Dune? Uh, yeah, I did when I was when I was younger, and it freaked me out. <laughs> oh, oh, I, and rightly so. Yeah. <laughs> There's actually a really good documentary called uh, Jodorowsky's Dune that uh, is about the version of Dune that a guy was trying to make before the version you saw got made. And uh, the version you saw is super tame compared to what this guy wanted to do. But anyway, I digress. Um, I've I've always been fascinated by that movie, even though I don't claim it's a good movie. And I enjoyed the book Dune. And uh, I had been watching the first couple of seasons of Downton Abbey. And then uh, I'm watching Dune because it was like on TV or something. And there's a moment where the uh, villain, uh, Baron Vladimir Harkonnen, he's got these these uh, these sort of jets, you know, on his suit that allow him to fly. And he's just flying in circles around a plume of steam for no reason, laughing like a maniac. <laughs> and then the camera pans over and it shows that he's got a servant who's flying him like a remote controlled like drone. You know, just sitting there flying the, the ruler of your world around a very dangerous plume of steam for fun and looking terrified the whole time he's doing it. And I just wondered, what's that guy's day like? <laughs> and that, uh, that that started the chain reaction that led eventually to uh, the Bookmaster Formalities. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember, I, like I said, I got freaked out from that and then uh, I tried to read it a couple of years later and got lost in the beginning of it and then moved on to yeah. something else. But I, I, anytime it's on TV, I will recognize it within a couple of seconds. I'm like, Oh, yep. There's doom. And... Nothing else looks quite like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My daughters, I caught my daughters or caught. I found them uh, watching some of it. Uh, actually just a few weeks ago, it was on HBO or something. And, and they were just looking at me like, what is this? <laughs> 
<laughs> I was like, uh, oh, that's that's eighties entertainment at its best, right there. That's so. right. <laughs> I, I've I've described in the past. I've described the movie Dune as a brilliant director, a bunch of great actors, and hundreds of brilliant technicians being given a huge budget and using it to make a mistake. <laughs> there you go. That's very well put, I think. <laughs> also, uh, a sideline, part of the reason I was aware of it maybe earlier than a lot of people is because uh, Kyle MacLachlan, the, the star of it, is from Yakima, Washington. I grew up near Yakima, Washington. So all of the Yakima newspapers and all of the radio stations for like three weeks coming up to it, it was just nonstop Dune. This little farming community in the middle of eastern Washington. And they're, oh, Dune, and our local boy's about to be bigger than Mark Hamill. And it's, oh, this is great. The new Star Wars. And it starts with. Then it comes out, and it's Dune. It's Sting in a Speedo, and a guy with warts on his face laughing into the camera. And no one knew oh, what to make of it. Oh, my gosh. You know, my, my favorite part of that comment was. He'll be bigger than Mark Hamill. Nothing dates it more <laughs> than that phrase right there. And that brings yeah. back some memories to me. <laughs> yep. Oh, yep. my gosh. That's awesome. Oh, man. Well, so what do you got? That, uh, what are you working on? Um, I've got one book that is uh, a sort of a futuristic heist story with a sort of a a spy twist on it that is being shopped around by my agent right now. And then I'm writing a, uh, a, uh, a future uh, interstellar war space opera kind of thing right now that I'm about three quarters of the way through the first draft on. Very cool. All right. Anything, mm -hmm. anything you can tell us about any of those or uh, just wait and see? Uh, well, the, the one I'm currently writing on is uh probably going to change drastically enough that I don't want to tell you too much about it because <laughs> I'll make a liar of myself. And the one that's, uh, I'm telling you that it's a, uh, it's a, uh, sort of a, the, the idea was to do sort of a James Bond globe hopping intrigue and action kind of a story, but set it, uh, far enough in the future that the solar system has been colonized. So instead of, you know, going to Marrakesh, and then running off to Budapest, it's going to going to the the giant space station at the end of the space elevator, and then off to you know Saturn's moon Titan, and that sort of thing. Oh, okay, very cool. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to all of these now. It's one of the uh, things I've I've talked to several authors uh, coming on the show that yeah, I'm gonna go broke with yeah. all the great books that uh, I find out about. So. And this is one of the unique things is that I do know, you know, I do know you as far as uh, familiar with your books. And, and uh, so I'm learning more about your other books. I'm like, okay, yeah, I got to get the rest of these. But it's, it's great whenever I meet a new author that I don't know anything about. And then as I'm learning, I'm like, okay, yeah, I got to check that out. So I'm going to have to pick this up. And it's, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go yeah. broke because of the show. But I'm loving it and I'm having a great time. And it's given me a chance to talk to somebody like Scott Meyer. Yay. Uh well, thank you. And I can imagine you must have a reading list five miles long by this point. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Thank goodness for audiobooks and my yeah. my long days of doing menial work that allows me to listen to stuff in the background while I'm while I'm working. 
Amen. I, uh, when I was a road comic, uh, there was a lot of driving. You know, I would be, you know, wake up in Seattle and by nightfall I've got to be in Billings, Montana. So, so I did, I did a lot of driving and audiobooks of Clive Cussler and Tom Clancy novels. You know, yeah. anything, uh, a good pot boiler that just made the miles melt away would be, uh, would, would just be the best thing in the world. Oh, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you are, you now rank with, uh, Robert McCammon with me now in the, as somebody who I've, I've now, listen to more than more than one book of so <laughs> thank you yeah so. yeah between the uh, audiobooks when i was driving that kept me sane and there were a couple of jobs i had at disney that i didn't enjoy so much and uh, reading terry pratchett novels on my breaks gave me something to look forward to now that i'm lucky enough that i get to write novels uh if ever i hear from someone that my work either helped them with a long drive or gave them something to help them pass the time during their lunch break. It, I just am walking on, you know, I'm walking on clouds for an hour and a half. It just makes me so happy to hear that occasionally my work can uh, fill that niche in someone's life. Well, it, it definitely did that. I, I started book two on Tuesday this week and then spent most of my days shoveling snow at my office outside and breaking up ice and like I said, all of a sudden I'm done with it this morning, so it went by really quick, and uh, it's like, oh wow, I did all of that in that time. Mm. Scott, I'm having a blast. This has been so much fun for me, and I really, really appreciate you taking the time to come on. Uh, I look forward to uh, talking to you again down the road, perhaps, and uh, I, I just wish you all the best, man. This is you, oh. you got a fantastic thing going. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, thank you for having me on and thank you for reading the books. I, uh, I really do appreciate it. I, uh, I am probably the luckiest guy you've ever talked to. And, uh, I recognize that and I'm just trying not to screw it up. <laughs> well, where can, uh, where can people follow you? Where can they find you online? Uh, my, uh, like I said, my web comics are rerunning at basicinstructions.net. And uh, there's a website dedicated to just my uh, my uh, novels that is Scott Meyer, S-C-O-T-T-M-E-Y-E-R, dot rocks, which uh, I am not arrogant enough that that was my idea, <laughs> but I do think it's a pretty cool uh, URL. Uh, so. it, it's fitting. I think it, it fits along oh. with your characters from, uh, from Magic 2.0. It didn't surprise me at all to find that, that website. <laughs> <laughs> Scott, thank you so much. And ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to hand the floor over to Mr. Scott Meyer and Master <clears throat> of Formalities. All right. Thank you. Um, a little preamble here. Uh, like I said, this is Master of Formalities. The original concept was Downton Abbey, but set in the Dune universe. Uh, that said, the the uh, focus shifted in the writing. Uh, my, my, uh, my distant, you know, interstellar space universe is a lot more cheery of a place than the universe of Dune was. And uh, I ended up making it the household staff and family of good people as opposed to horrible villains, which uh, was my inspiration in Dune was the Harkonnen family. I am going to be reading chapter four because it's just, it was one of my favorite chapters to write. I should point out that I do not read my books on my audio books they are read by a man named Luke Daniels, who does a fantastic job. So uh, if you at all enjoy 
the writing of what you're about to hear, but think that my uh, voice is uh, killing you, uh, know that that is not what the audiobooks sound like. Background you need to know. The, uh, the protagonist of Master of Formalities is a man named Wallard. Wallard is the Master of Formalities, that is his job title, for the ruling family of the planet Apios. Uh, the Master of Formalities is sort of a cross between a butler and a diplomat and a lawyer. In order to keep the entire universe from collapsing into interstellar war, uh, they've set up this whole layer of bureaucracy that's built around extremely formal uh, communication and proper form. The, the theory is that they never get to the point of having an actual shooting war with anyone, or rarely do, because their conflicts take the, the form of insulting each other by not holding their spoon properly, that sort of thing. So this is Chapter 4. Um, Wallard and his protege, who is learning the job from him, Fee, are uh, on their daily rounds, and they are going to come into the uh, the sort of the gymnasium uh, where the uh, ruler's husband, who is pretty much a layabout, and the son are doing something. And the rest will be self-explanatory. Master of Formalities, Chapter 4. His lordship, Frederick Jacobitis, sat in his customary ringside seat in the gymnasium, where his only son, Rezo, was training for his sports meet that afternoon. The meet meant that his, this day's practice was more important than most, but it made no difference to Frederick's demeanor. Rezo was the most important thing in the galaxy to him, and he took a keen interest in the boy's training. Come on, boy! You must be better than this! It's pitiful! Look! You look pitiful! The palace training facility was absolutely state-of-the-art, but the game that the Apiosians had dubbed sports was, in fact, fairly primitive. The room had long ago served as the palace's finest uh, formal dining room and was ornately decorated around the edges. In the middle, there was a large circle meant to simulate a sports arena. A protective railing surrounded the sports mat, a raised padded circular platform with a five-foot gutter between it and the first row of seats for any spectators who might be present. The mat was painted green, with three concentric rings, and several lines radiated out from the center. In the middle of the mat, Harcher stood in her light, loose-fitting training attire, her red hair tied back in a long ponytail. One of her feet was planted firmly on the mat, the other was planted on Rezo's throat. She looked down at him impassively, watching as the boy, who was pinned on his back, failed to escape despite his squirming. Rezo was young and was not blessed with a large frame, but his physique showed that he spent a great deal of time training, not that it was helping him at the moment. His black hair was saturated with sweat. He wore only a pair of shorts, which were emblazoned on the front and the back with a prominent number one. Rezo switched tactics and grabbed Harcher's ankle with both hands, trying to shift her foot with all his might. Then he kicked his legs wildly, trying to gain some leverage. It was all to no avail. She didn't move an inch, and neither did he. Pitiful, Frederine shouted through his prodigious mustache. He rose from his seat and leaned his ample middle-aged bulk over the railing to get his head closer to his son. I refuse to believe that this is the best you can do. A boy your age? This is pathetic. Razo looked away from Harcher's calf, casting his glance towards his bellowing father. Frederine continued, when I was 14, I could have cast her into the gutter long ago. 
Archer shifted her gaze to his lordship as well. You're a Jacobitis, Frederine shouted at the boy. Act like it. Pardon me, your lordship, Wallard said. He and Fee had entered the room unnoticed. Lord Jacobitis stopped mid-shout and sagged back down into his seat. He was not an old man, but he was neither as young nor as energetic as he claimed to have once been, and the exertion of Rezo's training had taken its toll on him. His uniform was askew, and his thinning black and gray hair and sizable all-black mustache were disheveled, though not as disheveled as his son's hair. Ah, good morning, Wallard, Lord Jacobitus said. Good morning, my lord. I trust Master Razor's training is going well. Lord Jacobitus leaned closer to Wallard and lowered his voice, lest Razo overhear. Yes, the boy is doing well. Good, Wallard said. He lowered his voice as well, but made a point of smiling broadly to increase Razo's chances of sensing the congenial tone of the conversation. Here's hoping that his hard work pays off at the sports meet. Lord Frederick Jacobitis raised his voice back to the normal level. Yes, I certainly hope he does well. We have a prophecy to fulfill. Indeed, Wallard said. So what can I do for you, Wallard? Wallard braced himself. Her ladyship has requested that you come to her office as soon as possible. Fine, tell her I'll be there after practice, Lord Jacobitis said, turning back to the mat. Come on, boy, do something! Anything! I mean, really! Well, not that! That didn't work before! Why would that work now? Think! Wallard coughed, then said, My apologies, your lordship, but Lady Jacobitis was quite clear that you should come as soon as possible. Was she? Yes, my lord. Lord Jacobitis watched his son writhe beneath his trainer's heel for another moment, groaning half-heartedly when Rezo's next bid for freedom failed. I promise, my lord, it is a matter of the greatest importance, Wallard assured him. So is this. Jonadi should remember that this is her son's life I'm supervising here. And it looks, he added loudly, like he's going to spend that life entirely under Harcher's right foot. Wallard and Fee exchanged a quick look, then Wallard leaned down to speak quietly to Lord Jacobitis. My lord, the topic her ladyship wishes to discuss involves your son. Does it? The lord asked, interested. Indeed, my lord. Lord Jacobitis stood up, smoothing the material and straightening the epaulets of his formal training attire. Well, that's, that's good. Nice to see her taking an interest. Perhaps you'll even attend the sports meet today. Perhaps, Wallard said, but one shouldn't get one's hopes up. I'm afraid I believe that the implications of the topic her ladyship wishes to discuss are a bit more long-term in nature. I see. Well, off I go. Mustn't keep Jonity waiting. Wallard, may I ask a favor? Always, my lord. Rezo's training is going on a bit longer. Will you stay and shout encouragement at him? You know, like I always do. I'll do my best, my lord. Thank you, my friend. Lord Jacobitis turned back to Rezo and Archer. Neither of their situations had changed. Boy, I'm afraid I have to go. Wallard has agreed to take over for me. I'll see you at lunch, and don't worry, if you're not there, I'll tell Barsparce that you'll be taking all of your future meals under Harcher's instep. Lord Jacobitis left. Fee turned to Wallard. I know, Fee, but I assure you I did not lie to his lordship. Wallard said in a hushed tone, The matter her ladyship wishes to discuss does directly involve their son. 
Yes, Wallard, I quite agree. That was well handled on your part. I'm just looking forward to watching you encourage Master Rezo in his lordship's stead. Yes, Wallard said. I did tell his lordship I would do that, didn't I? Indeed you did. Wallard smiled in spite of himself. Knowing what he had recently put Fee through, he didn't blame her for enjoying his discomfort. In fact, he was more than a little pleased that she seemed to have shaken it off instead of dwelling on her embarrassment. Waller took a deep breath, faced Master Rezo, who was still struggling fruitlessly, and said, I must say, Master Rezo, that seems a difficult predicament. Yes, yes, um, try pushing her ankle. The, the other direction, Waller continued after a moment. Oh, that might... Oh, no, that didn't. That very much did not. Apologies, Master Rezo. Take heart. You will emerge from this trial a stronger person. I guarantee it. On the mat, Master Rezo's head turned away from Harcher's lower leg, his gaze seeking out Wallard. Wallard worried that he was being a distraction, but he had agreed to fill in for his lordship, and a master of formalities must keep his word. Rezo's eyes then shifted to the door. I must admit... Wallard said, I would fare no better were I in your shoes, or in this case, under Harcher's shoe. Wallard became aware of the sound of feminine laughter. He looked at Fee, but she was containing her mirth, if just barely. Schly, the deliverer of liquid refreshment, had appeared beside Fee and was holding her small silver grab platter and her portable bulk fab and several empty glasses. Wallard noted with satisfaction that Schly's high degree of training was asserting itself Neither the tray nor the beverage was moving in the slightest, despite the fact that she was convulsing noticeably with laughter. Fee, Wallard said, you take over for a moment, but bear in mind the dignity of our post. Fee winced, but did as she was told. Master Rezo, she shouted, you are displaying great endurance. That is to be commended. Can we be of any assistance, Schly? Wallard asked. I hope so, Wallard. I'm here with Lord Jacobitis's post-training restorative beverage. Encouraging Rezo always leaves him parched, but I see his lordship is not here. Lord Jacobitis finished every training session with a glass of a specific concoction of his own devising. There was a unique blend of fruit juices, electrolytes, and mild intoxicants that helped him recover physically and mentally from the rigors of Rezo's training. Rezo drank water, as per his lordship's orders. Your current course of action seems ineffective, Fee called out helpfully. A change in strategy is crucial. Rezo struggled with Archer's foot, but his eyes were locked on Schly and had been since she entered the room. Fee continued, I would point out that Archer's weight is not evenly distributed between her feet at the moment. Perhaps that can be used to your advantage. It was enough for to transfer Rezo's attention from Schly to Fee, then up to Archer. Archer shot Fee a quick smile, then Rezo's hands pulled at the knee of her weight-bearing, non-throat-crushing leg, causing it to buckle. Archer rolled gracefully, but sprung right back up, ready to attack. Rezo had already regained his feet and adopted a defensive posture. Well done, Master Rezo, Archer said. Now you know how to get out of that problem. You've made the classic error of trying to attack the foot I was using to hold you down. Remember, strike your opponent where they are weak, and they will seldom use their weakness as a weapon. They circled each other warily, Rezo dividing his attention equally between Harcher across the mat from him and Schly standing beside the rail. 
Sly pointedly kept her attention focused on Waller. Do you know where his lordship has gone? Sly asked. Yes, I apologize, Sly. I became distracted. His lordship is on the way to Lady Jacobitis's offices. Her ladyship and his lordship have important business to discuss. I doubt that you can beat him there, even if you use the servant's lift, but you may yet reach him before the meeting gets started. Schley curtsied. Thank you, Wallard. Fee, she nodded to Fee. Before moving to leave, she glanced at the mat, where Rezo was standing in a posture designed both to help him fend off Archer and to look as manly as possible from Schley's point of view. He glanced over to see if Schley had noticed him, then promptly looked away to hide the fact that he had noticed her. His attention refocused on the empty space where Harcher had been standing, but it was too late. His legs were swept out from under him, and he was plummeting face-first toward the mat. The air was forced from his lungs as he hit the ground. He immediately felt the pressure of Harcher's foot, this time pressing against the back of his neck. There, Master Rezo, Harcher said. You're pinned again, this time face down. Now what? Rezo looked at Schley, who was looking back. Without comment, she silently turned and carried her drink tray to the exit. One might have predicted this, Master Rezo, Fee shouted, but there's little to be done for it now. What's past is past. And that was Scott Meyer reading Chapter 4 from Master of Formalities. Oh my gosh, I'm still just, I'm jumping out of my seat. I'm still amazed. I, I had such a great time talking with Scott. I hope you enjoyed the episode. I know I did. Don't forget to follow him. The link's here in the show notes. Don't forget about Book 5 of Magic 2.0, Out of Spite, Out of Mind, coming December 20th. It's going to be available on Kindle and print editions. Follow us on social media and subscribe wherever it is that you are listening to podcasts. As a subscriber, you don't miss out on a new episode when we come back each week with another author, another book, and another sample chapter. Bye, everybody.